Hello and welcome back to the Guns on Pegs podcast. My name is George Brown and I'm the editor at Guns on Pegs. And as usual, I'm joined by Chris Horn, Managing Director of Guns on Pegs. Chris, it's our first episode recording since the new year. So happy new year to you and happy new year to all of our listeners as well. Indeed, happy new year. And by the time this goes out, it's probably verging on awkward saying that anymore, isn't it? <laughs> probably. I haven't quite worked out when the last day it is that you actually say happy new year. <laughs> I mean, there was a guy at our cricket club who used to love saying happy new year when he saw you in April. Just because it was his first time he saw you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good lad. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, look, happy new year means obviously it's January, which means it's the last month of the season. And I don't know about you, but I'm sensing a lot of excitement about as there's there's people cramming in last minute days i don't yeah. have you seen the stats on the site they're picking up <laughs> yeah yeah it's been really interesting actually everybody kind of gets to this time of year and goes heck there's only three more opportunities three more weekends i better get a day, a day or two in hadn't i yeah there's a lot more impulse attitude out there which is quite good fun and and obviously on my side i've had a a, a bit of a drier season because of a baby and things but it's january means i can it's just the last opportunity to get back out there and it's happening the diary is is uh is looking quite good actually well yeah and of course we've got the podcast shoot day to look forward to at the very end of the month as well so, so is that is that all you've that. got in well maybe we'll come on to that later of course not <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, the podcast shoot day i'm so excited about because that's now full uh, and we've had Wild and Game confirm a whole load of really lovely foodie bits to go on the day. Uh, these are the guys that produce like game pasties and, and pies and things like that. So that's all in. Uh, everyone's going to be in the hotel. I'm so excited about that one. Yeah, it's going to be great. And those like you've kind of underplayed the Wild and Game pasties and pies and stuff. I mean, we basically lived off them at the game fair. <laughs> this is true. We did, didn't we? They're very um, good. Yeah, they are. So uh, we'll be having those in the day. Uh, thanks to those guys. And um, yeah, more to come. But George, uh, go on then. You better tell us for the first time the other way around. Who's, who's <laughs> our guest today? Well, yeah, I mean, we're doing things in a slightly different order today and I'm doing the intro. And that is because our guest today is somebody who I have known for, I think, more or less my whole life. Uh, but most importantly, I can't think of anybody who's better placed to talk about our theme this week a topic very dear to my heart, which is the farm shoot. His family farms about five miles from our family farm here in Hampshire. Uh, and alongside a wide variety of other farming and non-farming enterprises, he's been running their private family shoot there together with his dad for several years now. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to go and shoot with them a few times over the years. He's a keen and annoyingly accurate shot. He comes and shoots with us here at home as well. Um, <laughs> He's even been known to turn out and beat for us uh, when we've been shorthanded as well. Uh, and this summer, he will be best man at my brother's wedding. So if nothing else, this is a good opportunity for him to try out some of his material for his speech. A very warm welcome to Sam Birch. <laughs> Crikey, I don't know where to start there. <laughs> you, a, lot of, a lot of inaccuracies to start. <laughs> <laughs> what, what like the bit the bit about being a great shot <laughs> uh yeah yeah that, that was the biggest yeah 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 but i was um i but the uh my first thing is that your your podcast shoot day is full so i'm not quite sure why i'm here offering my services to you <laughs> oh i don't think the beating line's full oh right <laughs> um, very good it's annoying when we have our guests on and we say like things like, oh, they're a very accurate shot. We need a way of like demonstrating that or trying that out on the podcast, don't I, we? I, no, I, no, not at all. I think I'd rather, I'd rather it left to people's imagination. But uh, <laughs> I, no, he's, uh, he's been very kind, but he's uh, unfortunately not, he's, he's as inaccurate as my shooting. Um, unfortunately, I suffer. I've got awful eyesight, so I... Uh, I don't see uh, till uh, till very late. Uh, so a lot of snap shooting, but but good fun. And uh, when asked the other day, uh, someone asked my wife how bad my eyesight was. She said, she said, well, he sees what he wants to see. And they they questioned and said, what do you mean by that? And she said, well, arses and partridge. <laughs> so, so if your eyesight isn't that great then how on earth I, I george isn't lying when he says you're a good shot i know george knows what he's talking about there so that's even more of a feat no 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 unfortunately he's been very kind but uh but i'm not but i uh but i think i'm 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 uh i'm bad enough that i keep getting asked back so that's the that's the best thing 
<laughs> very good well sam it's great to have you with us today like i said you've got a lot going on i know you're very busy so no, um, not at all. it's great no, to apologies have you with us. I've, I've got a croaky voice as well unfortunately so uh, uh, and what's the what's the cause of that uh um big day out shooting uh on saturday and uh in the in that rain unfortunately yeah. <laughs> and uh and kids gone back to school and bought back everything and uh yeah i mean i was out in that rain on saturday as well and it was seriously wet yeah, it was. Yeah. Right, well, since you've got a sore throat, we'd better get on with it. So, um, Sam, what's that you're drinking? So, um, yeah, very, very last minute. Sorry about that. I uh, So I'm armed, first of all, with a uh, with a Lemsip, uh, <laughs> which is um, which I haven't hot toddied up or anything. So uh, a, a straight Lemsip there. Uh, and then I was going to I was going to have a, a gin and tonic, but I, I'll come on to that. And then a. Uh, I'm on a, a Dorset Craft Cider, which is uh, from uh, from Purbeck Cider, which is fantastic. Actually, we've got a few few boxes of that in the garage. And then I was this shows the caliber of the kind of people that we uh, we invite onto our shoot. Someone bought this as a guest la- uh, as a, a guest bought this as a, a gift last week, which is a bottle of Tankery Gin with nice. the security tag still on. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, that's going to get returned to his next season. <laughs> oh, have you tried that's getting amazing. one off? Have you yeah, I have. I, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's a bit messy, and you end up with a lot of broken glass in your gym. Yeah, usually. I can tell you from experience, the only way to do it properly is just with a hammer. Oh right, okay. <laughs> literally t- take the top off and drink the whole lot. <laughs> Good, Chris. What have you um, got? So uh, I found a beer. On my on my travels and searches for podcast drinks, um, which is called Hunter's Premium, and it's got a picture of a big old sort of stag on the front uh, from Hunter's Brewery, which is uh, in the heart of the Devon countryside, so uh, Ipplepen down in Devon. Uh, it's actually really nice. Um, so yeah, it's uh, how do they describe it here? A smooth, warming, and sweet ale. Uh, but I thought it was really appropriate. I found a beer that was applicable. It says Hunters in the name. So I thought, well, that's got a feature on the podcast, seeing as I've had most drinks. And Sam, a, a Lemsip has appeared on the podcast before. Uh, so unfortunately, not the first time. Well, yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, Hunters Premium, Light Amber Bitter from Hunters Brewery in Devon. It's very good. Excellent. And George, what are you on? Well, I'm on beer as well. Um, I've talked about this brewery before on the podcast, and I thought since I got a fellow Hampshire lad on, I'd better have a Hampshire beer. Um, this is uh, Gooden's Gold, a golden ale from the Flowerpots Brewery uh, over in Cheriton. Um, it's actually owned by a mate of mine, Sam. You'll have met Nick before shooting with us. Um, he bought it uh 2020 sort of right at the beginning of lockdown um he was shooting with us earlier this year and he said that they're expanding the brewing operation there um it's all going really really well um so uh, i just keen to support it and it's a lovely beer ice cold from the fridge um and then for when i finished that i got my trusty space side single malt to fall back on as i inevitably <laughs> will finish this pint before we finished recording <laughs> enjoy i shall <laughs> Good. Right. Okay. So uh, let's move swiftly on uh, and get straight on to our listener correspondence. We've got Whose Bird Is It Anyway, Sam? Uh, And this is where we ask our listeners to send in their shooting quandaries and queries and dilemmas, and uh, we try to resolve them. So this uh, submission comes from somebody I'm going to call Gilbert. And Gilbert writes, on a typical day last season, one of the longstanding members who I've known Uh, for a number of years, brought his son along, aged about 11, to share the peg with him. Nothing unusual about that. Now, normally, one associates sharing a peg with one gun shooting the first drive and then alternating each drive with the other gun. It was noted on one drive by the host that once the young lad had taken his shots, his father would then have a shot whilst the lad was reloading, in effect, double gunning. Once the drive had finished, the shoot host had a quiet word with the father as it had been mentioned by another gun. Once the next and final drive commenced, I was eagerly awaiting the bird's arrival over the line when I noticed that Dad was storming up and down the line and appeared to be shouting at a number of guns, all whilst birds were coming over the line and shooting was taking place. Once the drive ended, Dad then stormed over to me asking if I was to blame for ruining his day's shooting as apparently shooting with my son isn't allowed. 
Once back at the estate yard, Dad then questioned whether the bag had actually been attained and asked all asked for all the birds to be laid out and counted. This obviously spoilt the end to a great day, and the rest of the team were clearly embarrassed by the Dad's behaviour. However, some of the guns thought he should have been allowed to shoot like this on the peg with his son. The gun in question has not reappeared this season on the syndicate. There's no doubt that, after, that his behaviour after being spoken to by the host was not only distasteful but dangerous. However, the question remains, was the host in the right for having a word about double gunning or should he have been allowed to continue with his, with his son? In addition, how would you have helped with the subsequent behaviour? Oh, people do find them, don't they? Crikey. I know. <laughs> it's... Uh... This is pod at Guns on Peg. Just keep piling them in. We'll, we'll, have, we'll, we'll give it our best shot. But bloody hell, I mean, this is fairly extreme, isn't it? It does sound a bit like the dad's gone off the deep end a little bit. Sam, have you you, you have sort of dads and sons bringing people along at, at, at the farm shoot, don't you? Yeah, yeah, we do. And uh, I mean, personally, and you guys won't want to hear this, but it sounds like the it sounds like the perfect reason why you shouldn't sell days, but, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah, poor, poor form. Uh, yeah, it's a, um, it's a tricky one. I ended up in a situation a couple of years ago where I shot as a guest on a day that someone had bought and, and, uh, I had a, it's a bit different, but I had a back gun stood behind me and, and he came up and, and, you know, despite what George says, I am crap. And he came up to me at the end and said, well, that wasn't, that was pretty unfair. He said the, um, I've always been told, you know, if you've got a back gun behind you, for every bird you shoot, you then leave the next one. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry, but I've never heard that before. And I said, you know, even even the best guns will shoot two to one, so you've got just as much shooting as I have. And uh, But it's it's funny, some people just gauge it so wrong, and maybe where there's money involved, I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, no, poor form. And he, if an 11-year-old son should have been, uh, his dad should have been all over him, trying to help him and make sure he's safe and everything. But... Uh, yeah. So there's a bunch of issues in here, isn't there? Because I mean, there's there's his dad's reaction, which we must take into context the importance and the amount of pre excitement he would have been playing out in his mind about having his son on his first day shooting. Was it? Well, it sounds like it. I mean, look, if, if for the last eleven years of his son's life, he would have been looking forward to this day. So we must have that in context. However, it doesn't matter how excited you are; you don't act like that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I think I think we're in firm agreement there, um, but the issue comes with, as ever, and it's always the way with this, isn't it? Um, a lack of communication over what's right and wrong to do in this situation in advance of the day. Presumably before the first drive, they would have known these guys were sharing a peg, right? Yeah, I'd have thought so, yeah. I mean, that's the time you approach this. You say, well, hey, well, when you're sharing a peg, this is what we expect and don't expect. So, you know, please be aware of others and everyone else. And, and as you say, Sam, if it's a syndicate and they're paying their own way, money's always, always the first yeah, cracker to cause yeah. a problem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, so there's there's two things, right? I think the dad has a responsibility to teach his son well. I mean, Sam's mentioned the safety side of thing and making sure that his son's safe. So actually, if you're shooting while your son's reloading, you want to be, you know, that's a, a, a dangerous moment, that reloading moment. Is he closing the gun correctly? All that yeah. stuff. So he's obviously not paying attention there. And then to go charging off down the line because your cross is hardly setting a good example to your lad either. And then and then, then there's a completely separate question as to whether that kind of double gunning thing when sharing a peg is right or not. Well, well I, think, I think that's the first question here, which is sort of what this person's not expected and therefore emailed in about. And my, my opinion, straight to the point on that, is double gunning. Two, so d- there's double gunning in, in normal terms mean one person being in charge of essentially two guns, two triggers, or four, depending on what gun you use. Um, anyway, the point being that if two people are in charge of pulling trigger on the same peg, you know, within a couple of feet of each other, that's dangerous. It's going to cause a problem because, and you might think, oh no, I can be perfectly safe. It's when you go, is he, has he shot? Is he, is he going to load now? And you stretch across him and you get excited in the heat of the moment and chase a bird. You might, you know, fall over each other, bash barrels, whatever, you know, that's just asking for trouble. And, and for me, both of you shooting and sharing shots on the same peg is 
is not good. I don't know. What do you guys think to that? Yeah, no, I I completely agree. It's a um, it's a bit like the age old thing. I remember on a beaters day here once, and a guy, one of the old boys, turned up with a semi auto, and uh, it was that kind of like, oh well, I've only got it's only three shots. Yeah, but it's still uh, still fifty percent more than anyone else, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that that that's another very good point, though, Sam. Is that you know it's obviously there is obviously money exchanging hands. It sounds like it's a syndicate. Um, they are sort of getting more than their, or they've got sort of the potential to to fire more frequently than any other peg, which doesn't yeah. seem quite yeah. fair either. No, exactly, exactly. And I think, like you say, the big elation for the father of, you know, my oh my my son's going to shoot his first bird, and you know that's heck of a moment. But uh, but actually, it's it's uh, you know no it's actually. Not. If if that's the case, though, which let's be honest, he was definitely thinking that way. Then if you're the dad and Sam, you mean, you've got children. We've got children, but they're very young. But uh, uh, if you're the dad and you've got this excitement for your son's first day, then why are you so eager to pop off a load of shots yourself? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, very good point. And I've just remembered as well another bit of it. He's then asked whether the bag has been shot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dickhead. Sorry. <laughs> Don't hold back, Chris. <laughs> well, he is, isn't he? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I feel like there's more to this than we haven't seen, but it doesn't matter. Doesn't doesn't mean his actions are okay. So, okay. So there's the different issues. One, in terms of if you're thinking about sharing pegs with someone, and by the way, I'm a big advocate of sharing a peg with someone for the main reason that I love to be next to someone and chat through the drive and just just share the day with someone else, right? So. If you're going to share with Peg with someone, I agree with what uh, whoever you've called this person, Gilbert, you've called him. Uh, I agree there that it kind of should be alternate drives. I think it's the safest way of doing it. You know, sometimes with my dad, when we were younger, we used to sort of do, you've got 10 shots. And if you miss everything, then you've got to give the gun over type thing. <laughs> uh, uh, but at least one gun's on the floor, one gun's in the air, that type of thing. So I, I don't know about you guys, but I think that's probably the, the, the extreme there, you know, like just try and do alternate drives. Yeah, if you both feel if you both feel the need to, sh- to shoot one drive, then there should only ever be one gun unsleeved, I think, probably. Yeah. Um, or a very clear understanding that only one gun will ever be loaded at any given moment and that there'll be a clear moment where you go, right, let's swap. Other than that, I'd say that swapping drives is the best thing to do. So to summarise, was, hi- was the host right for having a word about double gunning? Yes. Yeah. As I think we're in 100% agreement with. Uh, should he should he been allowed to continue with his son? Yes, but on the basis that we've outlined, I think is probably the general consensus of the shooting world on this one. Uh, and how would you have helped with his subsequent behaviour? I would have yeah. told him that that was simply unacceptable. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> but I mean, I probably I probably would have chickened out. Sam, what would you have done? You're you're the you're the farm shoot host in this situation. Yeah, <laughs> no, I think the long and short of it is, you know. No matter how you feel, do you want three blokes to be sat on the podcast talking about it in, a, in six months' time? <laughs> Don't be a twat. <laughs> I mean, Sam, you have you have summarised the answer to a lot of these. Whose bird it any is it anyways? Which is don't be a twat. A lot of the a lot of the the resolutions to this. <laughs> but I mean, I think if I think if I'm running this syndicate, this guy's getting his money back and being told not to come back. Thanks very much. Yeah, quite yeah. agree. It yeah. says a lot I that mean, he didn't come back the next yeah. year, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, there is that, exactly. Hey-ho, good. Well, thank you for Gilbert for sending that one. Yeah, in. that's another Whenever one tipped you're... off. <laughs> <laughs> but There's Chris, to come. I mean, it feels like we've kind of done one already, but um, have you got an unpopular opinion for us this week? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, there was nothing unpopular about that chap's opinion, was there? But there's definitely about this one, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you ready, Sam? Uh, so, th- so this one comes from someone that we're going to call Aubrey in our uh, in our list of making up names. Um, he says, with the transition away from lead shot, is it time that the owners of the old English guns got with the program, move with the times, and retires those guns to the man- gut- retired those guns to the mantelpiece? Oh, yeah, that's gonna <laughs> that's gonna wind a few people up. Um, it's definitely unpopular with a large number of people, but let's debate it all the same. (laughs) 
So Sam, you don't you don't use a particularly old gun, do you? I, Sam? D- I don't know. I'm a uh, I can't warrant anything decent or 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 vintage. So I uh, um, no, I've got a blood and guts gun that lives seven months behind the tractor seat, and uh, and then a <laughs> then comes out for a few sporadic days. <laughs> Prop, yeah. Proper thumb shoot gun. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> how many how many nails have you hammered in? Oh um, yeah, no, good good point, good point, yeah. I found the other acid test is do you row the boat with it as well? Do you sort of twist it round and stick yeah. it in the rollock? Yeah. <laughs> I've tested a few electric fences with it. <laughs> so so uh go on then Sam, give us give us your verdict on this one. Where would you be leaning should the should these old English guns be retired given where we're heading? Yes or no? Yeah, no, I I, I think that I think that, you know, hopefully hopefully we've got enough shooting left and uh it, a lot of these old English guns warrant the proofing or whatever needs to be done. So uh, no, no, far too young to go on the mantelpiece for me. And uh, and uh, I uh, I'd rather uh, rather see some money spent there in the gunsmiths than uh, than them hung up. And these old boys need to carry on anyway. Yeah. That's, okay. That's interesting, George. Where are you where are you leaning on this one? Well, listeners will be aware that I'm a devotee of the side by side. I can't claim to have an old English gun, sadly. Um, but actually, as it happens, I was shooting with a mate uh, this weekend whose dad owns a pair of Purdy's that were his father's or grandfather's or something like that. And he, But this friend of mine was using uh, a modern over and under. And as we've already alluded to, it was an incredibly wet day. And I think if you do, and this is what my mate was saying, is that you know, if you've got an old English gun, the tolerances are so tight and the, they're such sort of precision-engineered crafted things that actually they're they can be a bit unreliable sometimes and you know you certainly wouldn't want to be taking them out on an incredibly wet day a little bit of mud in the wrong place and you're faced with a huge repair bill and I think that particularly when it comes to the steel thing you know if you're going to be on the sort of day where you're going to be firing 50 100 cartridges 200 cartridges you know, I think I'd be thinking twice about taking my, my birdies or my Hollands or whatever in any case. Um, and certainly if you're going to be using big loads, I think I'd be pretty nervous about that. I think that there's probably a time and a place for using them and you'll still be able to find those times and places and that, uh, and that something a bit more modern might stand you in good stead in the long run in any case. Um, it's probably the case that these people who've got these in the cabinet have got a backup in any way anyway um mm. when it i mean my gun as i've explained before isn't suitable for high performance steel uh it's only semi suitable for it's only suitable in one barrel for standard steel so i'm going to have to make some sort of change but i will be looking for a side by side that is a bit suitable. more a bit more accurate well <laughs> I, I can't i don't think i can blame the gun sam <laughs> Okay, t- 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 two things for, for listeners' benefit, for those that aren't totally clued up on the subject. I must just explain what George just said there. So high-performance steel, there's two types of steel cartridge. You've got high-performance steel and standard steel. High-performance steel can only be used in, 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 okay, for simplest argument's sake, the most modern of guns, okay? At this stage, you need to go and check. Uh, uh, and the other thing he was leading to is choke uh, and steel should only is advised only to be used in anything wider than than half choke. So if you've got three quarters or full inch or super full or whatever, then you shouldn't be using steel through that. So that's what George was alluding to there. Um, I think your advice was very good. I think that I think you know what I'm going to say here because I might have said it before. Well, you're going over to, to the dark side, aren't you? Well, no, you see, I'm a, I've got an 1895 Henry Atkins, Sam, uh, but it has some modern barrels on it, so I can it can take steel. So it's kind of done what actually I think anyone who owns 1895 Henry Atkins or anything similar should do, which is if you love it, go and change the barrels. And I understand that. Like standing there with my old English side by side on the peg, I love. I just you, you spend half the time looking at it. You much more time looking at it than you do firing it. Let's be honest. Um, and so I get it. However, the the problem is more about the fashions in shooting and then the ammo that we're going to be putting through them. Steel cartridges kick a bit more. I think end of story on that point. They do kick a bit more. You'll notice it in a lighter weight side by side more so than you would in a in a newer, heavier and un, heavier over and under. 
But I think where I was going with this is I feel that we're in that sort of phase that the sort of classic car market went through about 30 years ago. Okay, I'm interested where you're going here. Go on then. Okay, look, I don't know if you know anyone that's got a Jaguar E-Type, right? <laughs> that, but like you see them about. I think there's two categories there. One, I'm going to look after it, maintain it as best I can, and it might t- might make its way out on a, su- on a summer Sunday lunchtime to the local pub. That category. Then there's the other one that spends more than they've it would ever have cost to buy something fantastic and spends it on the car to make it like you could drive it to Glasgow and back for a meeting. That type of E-type. Basically not an E-type anymore, right? Okay. And I think that the, the guns are in that category. You can go and spend a fortune on your old gun and essentially modernize it. It's still not going to be perfect. It's not going to be a Tesla, right? Or you can just accept that that old gun was built for a purpose that we kind of don't really happen have anymore. But we, I mean, look, let's, let's say it's built for Hampshire pastures, right? Which is quite likely that it's still going to be good for. But if you want to take it to a high bird shoot in Devon or Wales, you're going to be found slightly undergunned. So I think you just need to accept the time and the place for those guns and have something else in your locker. That's my feeling on this. Yeah, I think that. What what gun does your dad use, Sam? Uh, he he went to the dark side maybe uh, maybe five or six years ago actually, and uh, and has now got a a, a a silver pigeon as as we all do the Ford Fiesta of the of the <laughs> uh, Hampshire shooting world. Sorry, nothing against Brett. Sorry, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but I it, it makes me laugh how everyone calls it the dark side. Why? Like, is that just us or is that's that... me being a yeah, snob? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know, but there's a lot of people who say that maybe because yeah. they use the cyber side once you, back you in the day. Must remember, Chris, George is on the upper side of Winchester, and I am very much you know lower lower Winchester. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. So, Chris, what, um, what's your plan then? Okay, so I've bought her at Cine this year. Uh, and the reason I've bought her at Senior is I've having used uh, steel cartridges through my Henry Atkin for two seasons now. Uh, I can see where that gun in with those steel cartridges is to be used, and it's actually quite a lot of shoots. It's it's more often than you would think, but there's many times where I would like to put something a little bit bigger, slightly more ethical potentially through the barrel. Yeah. Uh, and and therefore that Ritzini is going to probably be my go to my go to gun more often than not. Okay, so so your Henry Atkins not going above the mantelpiece, but Absolutely it is going to have its workload reduced, and it needs to to maintain its life. Yeah, I mean, I I could tell you the number of times that I've stood in a peg and watched the ejector fly out with the cartridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's not supposed to happen, <laughs> uh, and it's expensive. <laughs> I, I think what Aubrey's getting at here is that there's some people who are very vocal saying we absolutely, at all costs, need to maintain the English gun market and, and, and be everything we produce has to be suitable for these forever going forward. I think that's an unpopular opinion. I think that's unsustainable. We can't, shooting can't move with the times and do that at the same time. That's impossible. Interesting, you, yeah. Do, have, yeah. Have I got that right? Yeah, do, I think, you you're, I think you're probably right. I think those guns were probably outdated... 50 years ago well 30 years ago at any rate um they were you know i don't know when the the cult of extreme high bird shooting came about exactly but you know when people started shooting at things that were 40 50 yards up then those guns were outdated um they had that they had a a a a half-life on them at that point i think probably and then when we moved to steel they become really outdated yeah Right. Well, okay. Uh, so Gilbert and Aubrey, and now you, Sam, are now members of the most noble order of the garters and will shortly be in receipt of your very own sets of the very exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters. If you too have got a shooting confession, a quandary, or a query that you'd like us and our guests to help you with, or if you've got an unpopular opinion that you'd like to share and you'd like a set of garters, drop us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com. Now, before we move on very quickly... Chris, you shared a dilemma of your own with us in the previous episode. Uh, what's the status? Are you going to, was it Glen Eagles? Yeah, so uh, that was literally a text during the last episode. Got invited to an amazing day, Sam, up at Glen Eagles, it sounds like. 
and uh given that i've i've got a new baby and you know leaving my other half for a whole weekend is now quite a negotiation i shared it with george and toby our guests um anyway they both advised well george said don't go and toby was like send me <laughs> so uh so, <clears throat> anyway the dilemma is solved i'm going um which is uh and so is she very uh, slightly nerve-wracking <laughs> <laughs> That yeah, that would be wise, but no, she's not. Uh, Flo isn't coming. No, um, I meant she's leaving you. <laughs> well, no. So the reason I'm going is because I need to give a massive shout out to my mother-in-law, who is absolutely stepping in to save my bacon here. She's coming to stay to help Flo uh, with our very only few weeks old baby. Uh, and therefore, she is an absolute hero to me in this situation because she's essentially made it possible for me to go shooting in Scotland for the weekend. Um, and it made me think that, like, it's not the first time that someone has deserved a bit of a shout out for something that might have allowed someone to go shooting or for something to be, to happen, take place or be amazing. And I kind of think there might be something in this that my mother in law, Sally, deserves the first sort of shooting hero moment of allowing me to take my day. I, I feel that there's going to be listeners who think we've got like a keeper or a, or a beater or a host or, a, you know, a mate of mine or whatever that, that they, they could stake a claim for being a, a getting a, a mention on the pod for being a shooting hero. What do you reckon? I really like that, actually. So hang on. Who's uh, so the, the person gets a shout out, the, the, the hero gets a shout out. And the person who sends it sends in their name gets some garters. Is that what you're thinking? Well, so, so this is, I hadn't even got to that bit. You're absolutely right. Who gets the garters? So I'm the not, person that's I'm not picturing my mother-in-law in garters. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this is a good point, Sam. Uh, right, garters. I think yeah. I th- obviously, the person that sends in definitely gets them. We do two pairs of garters. And the person that gets nominated for being a hero gets a set of garters without realising. I like that. Yeah, very good. Okay, so uh, pod at gunsonpegs.com. If there's somebody in your shooting world who you feel is deserving of recognition, they may have done something like step into the breach to do some babysitting so that you can go shooting. They might be, you know, the, the, the volunteer shoot captain on your syndicate who's put in 30 years of hard graft. They might be... The picker-up yeah. who turns up every week come rain, snow, sun, or hail. Um, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. I'm really looking forward to like seeing this. some of these, actually, because I think they could be interesting. The only problem is we, we might end up... If we get a few of them, we're, we're going to have too many to read out. But hey, well, that, that's a different problem. Good. Well, I'm glad I got that one in. And, and, and also, publicly, thank you to my mother-in-law, Sally. <laughs> I'm going to Clone <laughs> Eagles. I hope you've bought her a, a bottle of something nice as well. Uh, it will be sorted out don't worry (laughs) (laughs) great okay right sam obviously i know a fair bit about the shoot that you run for our listeners can you tell us a a bit about the farm and some of the things that you've got going on there alongside the farming and what farming operations you've got and then a little bit about the shooting uh, as well so let's start with what's going on on the farm yeah absolutely um so we're a, a family farm i'm i'm uh what am I? I think I'm fifth generation. I'm third generation here, here just this side of Winchester. Uh, we we farm. It's a smallish farm. I've got some. I've got some big neighbours around me, so we're the uh, we're the allotment in the middle. Um, and uh, but we farm uh, arable crops, uh, wheats, barley's. We grow niche crops as well. So we've a bit, a bit like uh, George's George's family have in the past, grow poppies for morphine production we grow herbs um and grain uh, grain for seed and uh and seed uh, grass for seed as well so so lots of little niche niche bits uh we've got a um what have we got we've got my wife does some glamping uh on the farm which uh which is a kind of couple of years old now um and that's kind of um planned for expansion as well so that's going quite well a bit like george's uh, george's soon to be sister-in-law is uh, has just got into um so they've nicked our idea and run with it and made it made a much better job of it <laughs> down um, the road in your yeah, yeah. area exactly the sincerest yeah, yeah. form yeah. of flattery yeah. sam yeah but i fear i fear they might soon get a uh, get a uh, a letter from the council so never mind but um <laughs> it's uh, so we do that and then we've got a um we've got a self-storage business we've got about 700 uh self-storage units on the farm run by 
run by the office here. Uh, we've got a um, MOT centre and service service centre offices, workshops, um, and then we've got a um, thirty two thousand free range hens for uh, egg production. So, so you've got a bit of everything. So we're doing well. If you can't do anything well, you do lots of things, don't you? <laughs> so and I've. And I, I keep ballsing things up so I have a, I have a go at something else. But, um, <laughs> so, the, first uh, question I, the first question I want to ask is <clears throat> something that reminded me. Shoots that have quite big arable operations inevitably end up with just constant uh, issues with uh, arable production versus you know hoovering up partridges instead of carrots type scenario. Is that something that comes up a lot? Sure. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. No, we're a hundred percent. We're a uh, we're a farm that shoots, not a shoot that farms, and uh, and the shooting. To me, I'm just making sure the keeper's not 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 snuck in. But uh, uh, to me, no, the shooting comes very low down, and uh, because you know, well, I'll explain in a minute. But it's uh, it's we keep it very basic. No one expects a lot, and it's uh, it's just good fun. But the yeah. um, but no, we we do. I mean, I must admit. I, I lost, I think, about two foot down the side of a rape crop this year, and I was I was absolutely uh, distraught. And then I went to a friend who reckons he's lost a hundred acres uh, to the partridge and didn't feel so bad after all. <laughs> so uh, I, I know what you mean, but also our um, uh, I'll come on to talk about the chap who uh, who kind of uh, does our gamekeeping, but he's also our, our tractor driver as well. So uh, so we don't have any of this you're driving on my bloody crops and your birds are eating all my bloody corn. And <laughs> yeah. So, I, I imagine that's the, that's got to be the hard, one of the hardest parts managing those relationships. Yeah. If you're a least based shoot on a highly productive a one farm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, um, yeah, you hear of it everywhere really, which is, uh, yeah. Another, another thing that, you know, puts me off ever doing anything commercial really. <laughs> but you're making all the decisions so you got it under control uh, well quite right all the wrong decisions but yeah and so yeah. tell us about the shoot so the shoot is the shoot is i think um i think about 58 59 years old or something um uh so grandfather bought the farm here in 1960 um and father then started doing a few bits and actually i've i've, I've dug out the uh the old game book, which uh, which doesn't quite go back to when it started. This is the second one. The first the, the first one, you know, unfortunately, temporarily lost at the moment. But um, but it's uh, it's it's interesting. It goes back to some pretty uh, some pretty serious some pretty on, serious give, days. Well, I'll, give I'll, us an extract <clears throat> from from an early day in there. So one one to note is the uh, is the fifteenth of December, nineteen eighty three, uh, where. Um, my Simon. gun was old at that point still. You'll get, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, And a certain Simon Brown. Um, <laughs> That's my dad. Was, was, was also present on a day where the bag was 13 at, uh, at Pitt and seven at a, at a neighbouring bit of ground that they used to go over as well. So a total of 20. The comments for the day were bloody wet, one snipe seen. <laughs> <laughs> not not shot, and I don't think the snipe's ever been seen in Hampshire for, for one snipe scene. And the other uh, the other comment on the day was in 1983, December 1983. I'd I'd have uh, I'd have been um, four months old, um, and it says Sam circumcised in hospital today. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the that was the that was the only comment of the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that's a blind new way to end the day isn't it yeah it is yeah yeah no comment i'm glad they uh, i'm glad they missed me yeah <laughs> okay so sam that's so it's obviously had sort of fairly humble beginnings but i shot with you earlier this season i think we shot 120 odd did we not that i contributed oh, very George, many I but thought, i thought you were going to big it up a bit um... <laughs> it would have been more if it hadn't been me <laughs> yeah so the biggest change was um was when we took on a, a um, another another tractor driver probably seven or eight years ago who who was quite keen on his gamekeeping and I said look do not confuse this with a gamekeeping job but if you want 20 20 25 percent of the time you know we can uh, we can try and push the shoot on and and I'll allow you to disappear for an hour in the morning an hour in the afternoon and 
kind of dog a few birds in and and uh, and actually, it's worked really well. And uh, chap who is called Trump, who's who's fairly popular around these parts, no relation, unpopular with our unpopular with our neighbours, <laughs> um, is uh, he runs he runs the uh, uh, runs the the birds and uh, and uh, it works really well. So we put down. We have only. I mean, it's it's literally. I feel embarrassed to be on here. Uh, I'm I'm honoured, but embarrassed to be sat here talking about it. But it's uh, we have uh, maximum seven eight days, usually seven. Um, which uh, starts not particularly early, um, although the introduction of the partridge a few years ago have made it, you know, have completely changed the shoot. It used to be a, like most farm shoots, half a dozen beaters get to the last 10 yards of the cover crop and yeah, the sky the goes black with three pheasants. And, um, <laughs> and, now, and now you get four partridge before the three pheasants, which is made a made a big difference but it's uh no it's great and we shoot we so we've got no big there wasn't a single tree on the farm when father came here in 1960 so uh everything all the new shelter belts and everything are brand new i've planted a lot since i've been back kind of 12 15 years ago um and so not particularly warm farm very high as well and uh so we struggle early and uh you know we we um we we need the birds to kind of we haven't got any big woods really so uh so we tend to to shoot a little bit later i know that sounds kind of the wrong way around but but uh and it's good and we've shot this this season it goes down as as most kind of crap shoots do uh we started about 150 60 and then knock 10 or 15 off each time and so uh but we had we always put our beaters day in uh probably you know, nearly halfway through the season because I always get a bit embarrassed when we've shot some really nice days and they shoot 12 at the end. So uh, that's good. Of you. So we've already had that. That was a couple of weeks ago and, and they had a good day of a hundred or so. And uh, so, so nice. And the, as I say, the partridge have changed it, you know, dramatically and, uh, and it's good fun. It's nothing, there's nothing commercial. There's nothing high, uh, but it's just good fun. Oh, I, t- I think you're underselling it a bit there, Sam. There were some partridges when we when I was there the other week that were a good way up. I mean, you, you've got a bit of contour there, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, no, no, we have. And uh, with a bit of wind, actually, the partridge can be great fun. Um, and they're, they're actually Hampshire partridge are about my favourite. It's, uh, you know, especially with cut hedges now, you can throw them over these hedges and they can be bloody good fun. Um I've been meaning to ask, so there's two things you said that stuck out to me already, which we must come back to. One is the shelter belt point. And the reason I say that is uh, on the last pod, we had uh, an unpopular opinion, which was um, that uh, he was sort of saying he doesn't feel that a lot of the small shoots do that much for conservation. And we were sort of saying, I don't think, well, we don't think that's correct. We think you do a lot more than you might realise. And and you've just absolutely alluded to it straight away. It's kind of, when you say, planting the shelter belts over the years it's probably seen as just something you do because you have the farm not necessarily because of shooting but it's obviously in part because of that right so what do you think about that opinion that these smaller shoots aren't doing much for conservation given where you you're at absolutely no i think that's right and i think um you're right a lot of the time we we forget what we're doing and whether it's whether it's hedgerow management whether it's plantings um we've we've done a lot of planting in our in our 40 acre uh, chicken range that we've got now we planted about seven or eight thousand trees last year um and you know what done in a way they, they could have been random here there and everywhere but they've possibly been done in a way that might mean my kids can have a have a bit of fun later on in a few years time <laughs> so uh but no, we're always, I mean, whether we've been in little schemes, uh, countryside stewardship schemes, environmental management stuff. Um, and, and actually, no, we're, we're, we're always, everything's always done with a We We've actually come out of um, some of the schemes and we haven't rolled into new ones yet, but we've kept all our margins, all our field corners, wild bird strips. Um, and actually just because, you know what, I think I'm number four or five here and I don't want to bugger it out. <laughs> so, and I think it's, uh, you know, it's what you do if you're if you're kind of a custodian of somewhere for my kids. And and you alluded to the size of your shoot, saying you felt a bit awkward about it on this sense. But there's thousands of shoots at your size. Oh, like, absolutely! Literally, literally yeah, thousands. Yeah. It's it's probably I mean, maybe one or two days more, but it's probably the most popular size of or uh, of shoot that there is. Even sure. though so much of the airtime goes to these bigger shoots. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
but the fact is that there's people in your shoes wondering, you know, how to make a better fist from a conservation point of view, how to make sure the shoot still complements the farm and so on all the time. I mean, it's probably the biggest area. Yeah, no, no, it's definitely, I'm, I've, I'm sorry, I, I, I shouldn't have sounded embarrassed because it's, we're very, uh, you know, we're very privileged to have the opportunity to, to, to do this kind of stuff. And, uh, and, and actually, you know what, do, when COVID struck, for instance, I didn't have to make 20 awkward phone calls and, and it was, you know, it was quite nice. Um, in fact, most people sounded quite relieved when I told them we'd cancelled. But, um, <laughs> but, <it's>, uh... <laughs> um, but Sam, I mean, there's going to be a fair few people listening to this who maybe dream of having a little DIY syndicate or... Uh, think they might have a bit of ground that they could get access to that they might like to start a shoot on. So I know from from our experience here that one of the key things is trying not to make it too expensive a thing because it's a bit of a luxury. What would be your tips for kind of keeping the costs down on a small shoot like like yours or like ours? Sure. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. I um I mean for us it's worked really well that that this uh, chap who who, who is uh, I don't He's fifty percent tractor driver. He's twenty five percent welder, fabricator, kind of workshop guy, and then uh, and then he does, you know, runs the runs the uh, the shoot, and that's made a huge difference. You know, the farm swallows <laughs> swallows the cost, um, and you know, a lot of the um, I probably shouldn't say this, but a lot of the environmental schemes now allow you to be quite flexible with with cover crops, um, you know, catch crops, cover crops, uh, wild bird strips, some of which, you know, some of the wild birds might include a few partridge. And uh, it's uh, so for us, it works really well. And and actually, it's about managing expectations. And and it's it's a classic on all of these on all of these days that the only person that's worried about the day is the host, isn't it? No one else cares, especially if they're not. They're not there. They've they've been invited. There, it's a day out. No one cares what happens, whether it rains or you shoot twenty or thirty or two hundred and thirty. Um, and I think that's we've just all got to relax and and enjoy it. Really, um, I mean, we've got our we've we've got our challenges with trying to do it, even on a small scale here. But. Um, We've got, you know, we've got the uh, the poultry, which is a um, we have a bit of a biosecurity issue in terms of uh, mm, keeping the pheasants yeah. and the and the chickens separate, especially with bird flu rife at the moment, which is yeah. is uh, very worrying. Um, we've got footpaths crossing the farm in three or four different places, um, and we've got, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, various various bits and bobs all all going on, and as well as probably 200 cars coming through the farmyard every day which uh, which doesn't doesn't help but actually one of the one of the uh i was talking to the keeper a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago and he said i've got to get around these partridge there and he's proper hampshire he talked a bit like this and and i um i said uh I, he said i've got to get right out around that boundary there all the way out there down in the village and blah blah, blah. and i went on the cctv and i showed him and in our uh, self-storage container yards of which you've got I don't know, a couple of hundred containers in in a in a big um, compound and the partridge just sit in the middle of these self-storage yards in the middle of the farm <laughs> and uh, because they've had the sun on the containers and it's sheltered it's warm and and um so I said look I, I think you're going a bit over the top with your beating I think you just need to go and bang on a few tin boxes and I think they'll all take <laughs> off and <laughs> no there's so more to it than that <laughs> So there's, that's your top tip for anybody looking to run a small shoot. Get a few containers yeah. and you'll know where your partridges are all the time. Yeah, exactly. Quite right. Quite but, right. So, so the, the first point you mentioned was, try, it was it was essentially you managed to hire this guy. He sounds pretty integral uh, on the basis that he's satisfying a bit of his passion because he wants to be involved in the keeping side. But you've managed to support him financially because he's involved in the shoot. So that that's your sort of money yeah. saving Expert tip number one. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, I think it would be it would be different if we, um, you know, speaking openly, it'd be different if we didn't have non farming things to support it. I I don't think yeah, we'd be, you know, I think I can probably go to my neighbour and buy a buy a day at the end of the season or a couple of days cheaper than I can do it myself. But actually, I don't find any enjoyment in that. And uh, and there's something really special. I mean, George knows this, and 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 about being able to do it on your own doorstep. And yeah, uh, and it's yeah, no, no, it's very. 
so, so just to follow up to that then. So if if you're listening to this and you're thinking of taking on a bit of ground, i.e. leasing from a farm like you, you let's yeah. say the shooting sure. rights came shooting up. Rights. So you didn't you didn't have the luxury of being able to absorb this guy's cost into the farm. Do you think that is a massive hurdle that that's very difficult to overcome? You've got to sort of just think creatively. I, I do. No, it's a it's a um, I, I mean, fortunately, I've, I've been spoiled and had it, you know, had these things available. But no, I mean, the the. The synergy between the farm and the farm staff and the and the shoot and the and the keeper, whether he be part time or whatever, is is absolutely. I mean, it's so easy. You know, you can if you wanted to ruin someone's day as a as a tractor driver or a farm manager or something, it's very it's pretty easy. And as a keeper, you can do the same as well. So I think that relationship is absolutely key and something we're so spoiled to have because we've got it all in house. But I think yeah, going and going buying shooting rights. And trying to set up a, a DIY syndicate or even sold days, um, you know, people make it work, um, and 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 credit to them. But it's um, it must be hard work trying to keep a lot of people happy. And uh... that's interesting. And a, a word of caution from you then. So I, I'm. It sounds like actually, if let, let's suppose for a second you'd let your shoot out, that you'd let the shooting rights out, and someone came, the the the, the tenant came to you and said, look we'd like to invest in in someone for a bit of support for the shoot we'll happily subsidize some of his costs and you can get a bit of a farm worker for cheap would you be interested type thing it sounds like the relationship and and everything else is absolutely critical yeah 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 no no entirely and it's um i mean there there you know there there are very few people like that i know you know especially these days that that the the agricultural operator's job is is very technical um and Actually, it takes a quite a different breed of person who actually wants to get off the combine and go and dog in partridge and, and stuff like that. It's, it's uh, getting harder and harder to yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah I would yeah. say it is. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Tough. Sam, you, you alluded to the to the introduction of the partridge a few years ago, and I know that it's made a huge difference to our shoot here, but what was behind the thinking there? How did you make come to that decision? And, and how long ago was it? I think uh, it was back before before our, this current chap started, actually. So probably 10 years ago. And and uh, actually, you'll remember this, George, with your brother, Jim, we went down to the um, the Game Conservancy at Fordingbridge and did the part-time keepers course, which was, I think, two days. And we, we made it to about half a day and then found a good pub. Um, but it was really good with Mike Swan, and yeah, yeah. Uh, who was an absolute star. And... Um, he, uh, yeah, what a guy. And he, um, and actually, I think I went with this burning desire that I wanted to make our three minute drives last six minutes. And, um, and, and, <laughs> and he helped me see the light. And uh, so I came home, reared two or 300 partridge myself that first season. And, um, and actually found that the returns weren't half as good as the pheasants or maybe not quite as good as the pheasants but actually they were bloody good fun and off our off our valleys uh i know some of my father's uh um friends who might be slightly purist turn around quite often when we've thrown them i, I mean our shoot the other thing i should say is our shoot is on a postage stamp it's probably although the farm's 500 acres or so we shoot over probably about 200 acres uh, and it's so we we do a very good job of putting you in a in a car and or a gun bus or something and driving you around the around the farm and then but most people realise that they're twenty five yards from where they were stood in the last drive. <laughs> um, the classic technique. It, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. The long way around the estate. You, so so add, add, adding the partridges. I mean, it, so you something it, you just you just said is that your neighbours didn't necessarily well you suggested they're purists and they thought it wasn't necessarily the they, right thing right well no i think they were just uh they were just possibly saying that uh that they thought we were very fortunate he said your partridge are very forgiving and i think that's because he think he he said i think i've shot up the same one five times now um <laughs> and when you've got a valley you know when you've got a valley like or a, 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 a with uh, the farm is called vale farm it's got this small valley that runs through the middle and um we are able to push them you know a few times back and forth and um and uh yeah it's not for everyone but uh <laughs> but it's great and it's been a and it's been a real change so now we've probably put down uh i think last season uh 16 16 14 1600 partridge and 500 pheasants and we've got some neighbors that that shoot as well um and although we don't i, I only drop that in because they've got some big shoots but actually no drives anywhere near us and we don't 
really benefit. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 really changed it, and the, the partridge are great fun. Um, and it's you know it's meant we can stretch the season and the drive slightly. Shoots often talk about really struggling with their returns on the partridges, and you allude to that as well. So that's a word of caution if you're a shoot that just puts down pheasants at this stage. But as you say, the reason for doing it was totally different. It just yeah. it was the experience yeah. on the day. A- absolutely, and- yeah. No, there's a there's a um, yeah. It's a it's a very different thing, and and I, I know a neighbour of ours who who advised me a little bit when we were putting in some partridge drives and some cover said said you don't just you just got to accept that the more you put down the less you'll shoot and, <laughs> and I think that's right and also the horror I mean our beating line an average age of maybe I, I think I worked it out last night I don't, it's late 60s anyway for the for the beating line and um which is brilliant and they're all great and have been you know they've they've been here longer than I have um but um I remember 10 years ago on the first day of the season where we put these partridge down handing them a flag each and well, I, how I didn't end up with nine of them shoved up my ass. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what do you expect me to do with this then? <laughs> it's not as simple as just walking through and tapping no, a tree anymore. But, it's, no, but, the, no, but the, it's... so the decision's mostly about what's right for the ground, right? It's, it's to go to make that shift to partridges. It's it's you know what it's not necessarily what you're going to hold. It's what's going to present the the most enjoyable shooting. Absolutely, yeah, and and I know when when I um when I was doing the keeper so before before the uh, this guy Trump came probably eight years ago I was doing it all myself um pretty uh, it was the kind of it, yeah it was the low intensive uh, side farming side of gamekeeping kind of thing it was uh, if I could tip a trader up and leave a heap of wheat then then that was that was as good as feeding for me probably but uh, but um and when I was doing it it was um yeah it was it was what we could put down and what we could hold, but actually that, you know, you can have some real fun um, playing around with these things and, but it's a completely different, I mean, we're not, we're not professionals at all. And we, we've had to really learn it the hard way, but uh, you have to completely think about it. You know, when people start saying, Oh, you want to push that one uphill next time. And you think, Christ, well, for 53 years, we pushed it downhill. I'm not bloody doing that. <laughs> but yeah, it's all about the It's all about the topography and that. Yeah. It's how low you can get the guns, not how high you can get the birds, isn't it? Have you changed the shoot much then from these sort of learnings over the years, or it, or has it just remained sort of as it as it is because there's no pressure and therefore you know it can? Yeah, no, no. We, um, I'd, I'd love to say I've completely transformed it, but I've done bugger all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the game strips are in pretty much the same place. We've added two two new drives and two or three new bits of cover elsewhere. Um, just to try and bring partridge in from a little bit further away, but it's incredible for us how how um, you know we used to get into this kind of twenty four meter wide, one hundred and fifty yard long bit of cover, and and you'd line up at the back and walk through it. And now the partridge come from walking a bit of wheat that's only an inch tall, that's you know a hundred acres away, bringing that towards you. And it's it's um, so it's compl- it's. Uh, yeah, it's completely changed how we've had to to do it, and we have had to probably go from six to you know nearly ten beaters now so at great expense. <laughs> so, Sam, um, just to sort of round it off, what do you feel like the key to running a really great farm shoot is? And I, before you go any further, I want to say I class yours as a really great farm shoot. Well, thanks, George. That's very kind, but you you obviously need to get out more. I think, <laughs> um, <laughs> but but no, it's I mean you know, back to what I said, it's, it's about, you know, just the time that people are having. If, if, if I'm comfortable and if we're comfortable, they're comfortable. Um, no one's got any expectations. Um, everything's a bonus and it's just about having a relaxed day. We, we start in the morning with a cup of coffee at the old man's house and, uh, then we meet in the yard, beaters, guns all together. Um, beaters are all either guys from the farm or, live locally in the village um, and everyone knows each other. And it's a great thing with inviting friends and family as, as guests on the days is that, you know, the beaters know them all and everyone just pitches in and it's great fun. So we do that. We shoot a couple of, couple of drives, maybe three drives, and then uh, back to the, back to the farm workshop where everyone just stand, you know, is, is, is all wading in together. Um, partridge goujons um and then uh and a, a few sausages and slow gins and 
bits and bobs like that, and then back out for another couple of drives in the afternoon, and then uh, finishes in my house with her. And George, George will uh, will uh, know this, but we um, it's a pretty traditional uh, uh, dinner that we've always always had, which is cold meats, uh, loads of pickles, chutneys, um, stuff like that, and then we always uh jacket potatoes and then we always have uh christmas pudding and the reason was that when i came back to the farm dad had recently uh um uh moved my mother out and uh <laughs> and and i i wasn't with anyone at the time so we needed to work out how the hell we sorted out a decent shoot day that everyone could we could all go out and eat drink and uh and have a good day's shooting and then come in and still have uh, have a decent meal so it had to be something we could bung in the oven and uh, or or a cold bit of cold bit of meat from the day before and then some jacket spuds that anyone could run back and throw in the auger and and come out so uh so that's where it came from there and uh since then uh it's moved on uh, slightly but actually the uh, the menu is very very much the same and everyone's just uh, everyone's just got used to it and actually the game book you know shows that you're like your dad, George, has been coming for 40 years and, and, you know, all the old man's friends have all been coming 40, 50 years plus kind of thing. So it's, uh, it's great. But, but in terms of, you know, someone, someone putting on the, you know, the perfect farm shoot day. Yeah. I think, you know, just informal, you know, chill out, just, <laughs> and just have fun. I, I, I think you uh, nailed it there because the, the traditions that you just alluded to, I bet make up a lot of people's memories about the days they've been on with you. And I think if you if you are running that little syndicate or farm shoot, just make your mark in your own little way and just 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 yeah. allow people to have a fun time. And, and and if you think cold meats and all the pickles and chutneys and whatever else and, and the little signature Christmas pudding just because, you know, whatever it might be, do it. If that's what you like, do it because it guarantees yeah. that you'll have yeah. a good time doing it, and that will rub off on anyone else. And as you say, you can then chill yeah. out. It's, it's yeah, such good e- exactly advice. Exactly that. No, and it's. I, I think you're right. And like any, you know, whether you're doing it for financial reasons or, or not, it's about having that kind of unique selling point that people always remember, yeah. isn't it? And um, and ours is ours is that you're not going to shoot much, but you'll uh, you you'll leave fed and watered and. Uh, and uh, the newest tradition is that my wife, who who is a, a much better shot than than myself and George, George will, uh, yeah, shout out to Min. She's a very good shot. She cleaned up a couple <laughs> yeah. behind me, and and she so she comes and stands. Uh, she shoots. Uh, this is pr- pr- probably not for the purist either, but um, she she stands behind the line. And my father, who who does the little chit chat in the morning, uh, still always jokes that if Min stood behind you, you've been deemed to be the worst shot. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's why she stood behind George for a yeah. couple of shoes. I noticed, I was I was going to say, she was standing behind me most of the day, and I yeah. thought it was because she yeah. liked me, but no. I love it. Again, a lovely little touch, and, and I think it just adds that camaraderie of the day, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, it's great fun. Right, so Sam, the way we like to finish these podcasts off is to ask our guests to describe their dream last ever shooting experience. We call it Desert Island Shooting. So you've got one last day or weekend or week or length of time of your choosing really um money's no object logistics don't matter where are you going to go what are you going to be doing who are you going to have with you sure so i suppose my answer should be that it's here at home shooting hampshire hedgehoppers but um but it's not look at that um so (laughs) and i'm a tight bloody farmer so i'm not paying for much shooting but we do for the last few years um well probably four or five years now we've we've uh as a group of us farmers locally from around here we we go to scotland uh and have a week up there well it's probably four or five days up there uh near blair gary on the borland and white house estate um and we have a we have a we take a house and all the wives come as well which is great and half a dozen of those shoots as well uh and it's absolutely fantastic we do a couple of a, a high bird day um which I usually spectate for and let my wife shoot. <laughs> we do an, another day in the park, uh, two evenings on the ducks, a morning on the geese, try and catch a fish. And, you know, it's just perfect, absolutely perfect. And, um, yeah, so if I'm going out with a bang, then that's how I want to go. Lovely. Sounds fantastic. 
yeah, really nice. Yeah, no, I um, very very spoiled, and uh, if if I wasn't so tight, I'd like to do more. Of it, but, <laughs> well, that's uh, the point of Desert Island shooting. <laughs> just just create that imagination in your head and just do it. <laughs> yeah, and it des- it's Desert Island shooting, so you yeah. can go for a fortnight if you want. Oh. Would you do that, or would that be too much? Well, if it's well, yeah, no, no, I don't know. I give it a good I, go. I, I, uh, I wouldn't lie to it. I'd give it a good go. Yeah, but. Uh, but yeah, I need to come down. The south coast is pretty tropical. Remember, we need some. Uh, you know, I need some sunshine on my back. <laughs> right. Well, Sam, that sounds great. Thanks so much for coming and joining us. You're a busy man, so thanks ever so much. No, no, not at all. Absolute pleasure. I'm. Uh, I knew you must be desperate when I got the call. <laughs> no, thank you both. No, thanks for joining us. Great. No, not at all. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, Sam. Right. So before we go, as per usual, there is one final reminder that you can get your hands on a pair of the very exclusive Guns on Pegs podcast shooting sock garters by sending us your shooting dilemmas for us to resolve or letting us know where you've been listening or by sending us your unpopular opinions or by letting us know about your shooting heroes. Just send us an email to pod at gunsonpegs.com. And if we use it in the next episode or any future episode, you will get some garters. We will be back in a couple of weeks time with another episode. But until then, thanks very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.